0: Today's daf is Yud Gimel in Masachet Betza. We are going to begin on daf Yud Bet Amud Bet, about nine lines from the bottom of the uh, page. last word of the line where it says, Ushpezichnei de avalei asuraita The host of Rabba Barav Hanan had stalks of mustard seed. He asked him, "Are you allowed to break open these stalks and eat the seeds out of them?" On Yom Tov, directly. Lo haba He didn't know the answer. Khanan didn't know the answer. He came to Ravah. You told him you're allowed to use your fingers to take uh, grain to take grain out of the stalks to eat it. And also to open up to shell sort of beans or legumes on Yom Tov. In other words, whatever their natural casing is, so to speak, you're allowed to open it. Rashi explains um, that the since this is not a normal way of threshing, it's not a normal way of removing the uh, casing of the grain or of the kitniyot. So therefore, you're allowed to do that by hand in order to eat it on Yom Tov a uh, raised from the following uh, uh, problem, from the following Tosefta. It says, if somebody breaks open the wheat to take out the grain inside with his fingers, on Erev Shabbat, the next day he's allowed to take it and blow from one hand to the other. In other words, he holds it in one hand uh, uh, and uh, he, he takes a small amount each time. What it means is, he takes a small amount each time, blows on it to clear away the chaff, and he can eat it. But he cannot use any kind of a, uh, uh, a plate or special kind of a uh, vessel that assists with sifting because then it looks like a real melacha. But if he's just blowing on his hand uh, with a small amount, then it would be allowed because it's eating. If the person uh, were to break open the uh, grain on Erev Yom Tov, then the next day he can blow on it Little by a little bit at a time. Um, in other words, and Rashi points out that in the previous one, when it said "miyad diyad it's also talking about a small amount, obviously, but it means he can hold. It in what He can blow it from one hand to the other of his And that's the way of cleaning off the chaff from the grain He blows it from one hand of his to the other Here it says Which means a little bit at a time Meaning it doesn't matter how he does it But it matters the amount he does it only Even if he uses a kind of a plate Or a kind of a tube To help him do the sifting. But he cannot use a tablet. Or any kind of a sieve. These are different types of sieves. The idea is that. He's allowed to clear away the chaff. But only in small amounts. Or only in an unusual way. Now the Gemara says. So the thing is though. It says there. That uh, it says yom tov, and it's talking about erev yom tov that the person broke open the grain on erev yom tov, implying tov and on yom tov itself, lo, no, that you wouldn't be allowed to, and that's contrary to what Rav was saying that you're allowed to break open the stalks and take the grain out to eat it directly on yom tov. So it says no yom tov yom tov. No, it's really true that you could break these sheaves open even on, uh, and crack them open even on Yom Tov itself. But since the first case in the Mishnah was, ta- or the first case in the Breit that was talking about a situation where the person did this on Erev Shabbat, so he uses the same case in the second example and says Erev Yom Tov. But there's only one problem. That if you're allowed to actually crack open grain and start eating it on Yom Tov, crack it out of its sheaves and start eating it on Yom Tov, so that means you're going to have an obligation of Truma. And, and if you're going to have an obligation of taking Truma in order to eat it, that means you must be allowed to separate the Truma because we wouldn't allow you to eat the snack without taking proper Truma on it. So that must mean that you're allowed to separate Truma on Yom Tov. And normally we say you can't. utnan, And we learned in a Mishnah, in the machloket between Beit and Beit that we learned on this Amud, uh, they, they had that very point. They, they both agreed upon the point that you can't separate Tuma on Yom Tov or Shabbat. So, how could it be that the implication is here that you can take these sheaves of grain and eat the grain out of them? Even though you're not separating shumat, or the implication is that you could separate shumat because how could you be allowed to eat it without separating shumat? The answer is la kashya. It depends whether you're going with the opinion of Rabbi Yossi or Rabbi, uh, or Rabbi, of Rabbi meaning Rabbi Udanasi, or uh, Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehudan Rashi explains I call Everybody agrees You can snack on this grain Take it right out of the stocks On Yom Tov And so the question is What about the Chuma? It says it's true According to Rabbi You're going to have to say That you're allowed To take Chuma on Yom Tov Because he says That this these, this snack grain Is subject to Chuma So you're going to have to Separate the Chuma on Yom Tov But according to Rabbi Yossi You could say That you actually don't Have to take Chuma From it We'll see how uh, as they said, the abrahita, l'asot Isa, if a person brought grain into his house, stalks of grain, and he was planning to make it into dough, uh, he, he he can eat. It as a snack, he can eat from the grain as a snack anytime he wants Before he has actually formed it in anything more And he's exempt from any masir. But if the whole plan was only to eat it as a snack So Rabbi Mechaye Rabbi says that's the final stage of production then Because you're not planning on doing anything else with the grain You're just planning on eating it So then you have to take Truma and masir from it now Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi 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 says no um, that, that's, that the Torah requires that the ultimate intention of the person When they bring in the grain is for uh, is for uh, processing it and making it into something that can um, be used as bread, meaning, which means shelling it and uh, smoothing it out into piles and so on. And if you don't do that, um, it, even if that, even if you don't intend to do that, but you brought the grain in to be a snack, nope, Re- Rebbe Yudah says that there is no obligation of um, of uh, separating chumas so it could work according to uh, 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 according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda Because he would say that here Where you're snacking on Yom Tov You don't take chuma from such grain But even according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda There's a case where you would have to take chuma On Yom Tov Because if you brought the stalks in originally To make dough out of them In other words, his point is that If you take, bring something into the house With the express intent of never making dough out of it And you're just going to eat the grain as a snack It never becomes obligated in Shoma But what if I brought it into my house Thinking I am going to make bread And I change my mind so when I decided to use it as a snack So then the biyome, It becomes Tevel right away In other words When he brought it into his house And was thinking that he was going to um, Use it for bread So it automatically came under the heading of Tevel That it's something that requires Chumat to be taken And now that he changes his mind And decides to use it for a snack it doesn't matter He's still going to be liable To separate the Torah So you see that And that happened on Yom Tov itself And now there's an obligation Of Chuman Yom Tov Rather what we mean When we say there's no taking Of Chuman Yom Tov Is most of the time There's no taking it But it could be That a situation would emerge Would arise on Yom Tov Where a person goes to take a snack From something Which creates an obligation Of Chuman, he has to separate the Shuma Even on Yom Tov Between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi, and, and Rabbi About bringing things in For the purpose of snacking Is only when you're talking about Sheaves of grain But according to everybody If you bring in beans or legumes Everyone agrees That since that's not what you make You don't make bread out of those So once you bring them in Even though you're planning On only snacking on them It becomes tevil And it requires chuma to be separated Even if though you're not Planning on taking it Any further in the processing Here's the support for that We learned that if a person has um, bundles of Tiltan of fenugreek tevel, that has not had Chumah separated from it. He should crush this fenugreek. And what he does is he tries to calculate how much seed there was in there and make sure that he separates enough seed from the fenugreek to count towards the seed that he's going to use as on the on the seed that he's going to use. But he doesn't have to calculate against the Branch Of the fenugreek Only against the seeds inside He has to make sure There's enough trauma To represent those seeds inside So my love Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, He isn't this Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehudah's Opinion Because he's the one Who says that When it comes to grain If you brought it Into the house And you had the intention Of using it as a snack And not ever using it as bread It doesn't become tevil But the implication is With beans or with legumes It will become tevil I said, no, Rebihi. No, it's actually Rebihi. But if it's really Rabbi, so then why does it mention Tiltan? Why does it mention the case of fenugreek? Because according to Rabbi, even if you bring regular grain into the house and you intend for it to be a snack forever, to eat it the way it is and not to process it any further, it becomes obligated in a So why would that be any different? Why would you have to mention fenugreek? That seems like a remote case for Rabbi to mention. We still have a question On Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, Which is why doesn't he mention Every other type of bean? If the only case where she says Where grain That is designated for a snack food And not for processing Doesn't become subject to trauma Is uh, is actually uh grain, is shibolim. So then, why doesn't he mention any other kind of bean? Why only tiltan? Why only the fenugreek? V'kosecha kain tiltan. It would have certainly include tiltan. El tiltan. It's vichalei. The Chidush is that yes, really, he holds that unlike shibolim, unlike stocks of grain. When it comes to beans or legumes, when you bring them in the house to eat them as they are, they automatically become su- uh, subject to Chumat, that state, and you don't have to first pile them and smooth out the pile and so on like you would with grain, okay? But here, Tiltan, fenugreek, is a special case because since the taste of the seed and the taste of the branch is the same, you might think that you have to separate enough Chumat to represent not only the seeds but also the branch. And that's why Kamash Malan comes to tell you, you don't. Okay, Ika Da Amrei. So the, according to that, Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Uda are only arguing about the case of stalks of grain. That When it comes to stalks of grain, if you bring them into the house thinking you're never going to process them any further, you're just going to leave them that way to snack on them forever. So according to Rabbi, you need to se- you need to separate Chumah because that's the end of the road for those uh, of processing for those stalks. And according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Uda, no. But when it comes to anything else, like beans and legumes... Everyone agrees that That's the rule That if you bring it in Not intending to process it any further It becomes obligated in Shuma But some say the opposite That the Makhluk Rabbi And Rabbi Is about stocks of grain Now according to this The opposite That they argue about grain stocks But when it comes to beans and legumes Everybody agrees That it doesn't become subject to Shuma In other words And that if you bring it in with the intent that you're not going to process those beans, you're not going to process those legumes, you're not going to smooth them out in a pile and so on the way that you do with other kinds of grains then you are not going to create an obligation of Truma according to anybody, even according to Rabbi. So now the Gemara asks, We just read this a second ago, that if a person has bundles of fenugreek and they are Tevel, they haven't had the proper thing separated from them, you crush it, figure out how many seeds are in there and separate on the seeds... To make sure that you have enough Truma representing all the seeds in there However my love Tevel tevul shil truma. Now doesn't that show you That even though you're only intending To break open this fenugreek And eat the seeds as they are You're not intending to do it To process it any further To put it into piles And so on and so forth And yet still it says it's Tevel Still it says Tevel So you see that it's considered Tevel Even though you brought it into the house Not to process it any further So it says lo tevel, tevul shil truma It doesn't mean That it's Tevel For Truma Because Tevel for Truma Requires that the That the item is processed we're saying now right however it is tevil for Trumat Maser Trumat Maser is the Tumat that the Levi has to give out of the gifts that he receives the Maser that he receives he has to also give a tenth of that to the Kohen if a Levi comes and he comes before the Kohen and he says, I know that I'm supposed to wait for the Kohen to take and then I'm supposed to take my 10%, but I want more. So I'm coming early and please give me my 10%. And he takes the 10% peshibolim. He takes it in the form of stalks of grain, not processed grain. The minute he takes it, it becomes considered uh, uh, tevil for... Uh, giving the Chumat maser. In other words, it's Tevel that he's not allowed to eat until he separates the Chumat maser, until he separates the part for the Kohen from it. Why? Because since that, even though normally he would receive it processed grain, like he would receive processed grain, he wouldn't receive shibulim, he wouldn't receive stalks and uh, take them like that. But since he did, and that was considered as maaser, so therefore it automatically becomes Tevel and demands of him that he separate Chumat for the Kohen. Whereas normally um, he would receive it in a processed state And then it would of course have the obligation of Trumat Maser Here it's a chidush Because even in its unprocessed state Since he, he received it in its unprocessed state He also, uh, it also becomes obligated in Shumat its unprocessed state Why does he have to crush it? In other words, once we're saying that we're talking about a levi here receive these, uh, who received these, went and took these uh, uh, stalks of grain And their unprocessed state and passed that uh, Took that as his Maser and now he has to give to the Kohen And we're saying that when it says to crush it And give Chuma, It means that the Levi should crush it And give Chuma to the Kohen uh, In that state of being crushed In other words, he has to give him crushed stuff He can't give him um, He can't give him uh, the stalks of Fenugreek themselves Why? So the question He could just say The way that I received it is how I'm giving it to you in other words, I went and took the fenugreek before it was processed. So I'm giving you fenugreek before it was processed. Why does he have to crush it and make it nice and all that for the Kohen? So it says the answer is a penalty because he went ahead of the Kohen to take his portion. In other words, we're talking about a Levi who went ahead of the Kohen, took the Maser before the Trumah was taken, and therefore we make it harder for him when we say he has to give the best to the Kohen. He can't just give what he got. The similarly learned in Abraita, Ben levishin to know. Uh, if, a, if a Levi goes and he gets shibolin, he gets stalks of grain Instead of processed grain as his He has to make it into a threshing floor In other words, he has to process it To give it to the Kohen If they give him grapes He has to make it into wine and If he gets olives, he has to make them into oil And then he gives it the In other words, he has to give the best To the Kohen, even though he received <coughs> He received it in a more Primitive state, unpolished state. He gives it in the full polished state because he went ahead of the Kohen, so that's the penalty we give him. Because since, just like regular shumat is not supposed to be given element gore, and it's only supposed to be given from processed grain, and from wine, same thing about chumat maser, it should only be given from processed grain and processed wine. Why does it say mechashev? Why does it say that the guy has to make a guess about how much chumat maser he's giving? Right? Because unlike Trumat, the Torah actually says Trumat Masir has to be one-tenth. So it should actually be, be exact. He should have to measure that he's giving him exactly one-tenth of his... The Levi has to, should have to measure that he's giving exactly 10% of his masir to the Kohen. So it says, it says, no. This is the teaching of Abba Elazar ben Gimal. Abba Elazar ben Gimal It says you should calculate for yourselves your Trumat. It's talking about Two kinds of Tchumot, because it says, uh, <coughs> <coughs> They're saying it's referring to two. So, what does that mean? So, uh, meaning, both chumat. Uh, and Rashi explains why is, it con- why is it considered two Tchumot, because it says, Is the Pasuk. That it gives two examples. It gives the example of grain and the example of wine. So it's talking about two trumot. So it says it's actually talking about the trumot that we give. Regular Israelim give to the Kohen. And it's also talking about the trumot that the Levi gives to the Kohen. And keshem, she gedola, nitalet ba'omed, ba'umachshavah. Kach trumot ma'azer, nitalet Just like trumot, that, that Israelim give directly to the Kohen. They can do a guesstimate. They don't give an exact amount because the Torah doesn't actually give an exact amount. Only the Chachamim made recommendations about what the best amount is to give. So, so too, even though Chumat Maaser given by the Levi is supposed to be exactly 10%, since it's under the rubric of Chumat, they can also eyeball it and they don't have to be exact. Gufa. We go back to what we said before. ben Maaser If Levi goes and he takes his masir before the Kohen shows up, he takes it in the form of stalks of grain instead of grain itself, the fact that he designates it as maser makes it obligated in Trumat maser too. reason? We'll since it gets the status of maser from having been give to, given to the levite to fulfill the obligation of maser. Therefore, it also gets the obligation of Trumat maser. The, uh, maser rishon If uh, the maser rishon, the levite goes and he takes it before the kohen. So uh, what happens It's actually exempt from In other words Because the Levi is told You should separate from your um, A tenth from the tenth In other words The Levi is only obligated to give one gift to the Kohen, The one tenth He doesn't have to also give the That he would have gotten from that grain In other words what it means is that when the Levy shows up, he takes a tenth right off the bat. And normally he's supposed to come after the coin. The Kohen's supposed to come take his 2% or whatever. And then out of the remaining 98%, so the, Cohen, so the Levy's supposed to come and take a 10% of that. But instead he came early. He came early and he got... of the original amount. So technically speaking, a portion of that that he got, you could say really should have gone to the Kohen too. So not only should he give the 10% of what he took, but he should also give a little bit more to correct for the amount of chuma that he diminished from what came to the Kohen. The Torah gives us a pasuk to tell us that he does not have to do that. Since he's giving his own Chumah at he does not have to also give a makeup for the Chuma that he sort of stole from the Kohen by coming early to take the grain. Um, so if it's true That if the Levi comes And takes uh, stalks of grain So he doesn't have to give Shumah from it He only has to give the Shumat maser. So what about if he comes When the grain's already processed So it says It says from all of your Masrot From all of your <coughs> Of your tithes You should separate the Shumah of in other words, it, 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 it's a limitation. There are some cases where you do have to give chuma from your maser. That's why I'm saying, There are some cases where you do have to give chuma, Some cases where you don't. This is actually a suge that appears several times in the Shastas, This exact same discussion. Basically, the logic is like this. When does the obligation of chuma actually take place? When the grain is fully processed and in the pile. So if the Levi shows up, even if it's before the Kohen, if the grain is already in the pile so that means that whatever the 2% that goes to the Kohen has already been designated and whatever should go to Levy has already been designated so if he takes too much he has to make up for the amount that he took away from the Kohen because when he takes the 10% away now the Kohen shows up and takes his 2% he's taking it up less but the obligation was already fixed when the grain was put in a pile and now the levy has messed it up so he has to make up for it but if the levy shows up when it's still B'Shibolim, when it's still in stocks there's no obligation of yet. the calculation hasn't been made yet he's taking that 10% away before the obligation of Chuma ever came into being on this grain, and so therefore, by the time the obligation comes into being, the amount is already diminished, and the levy is already out of the picture. So he doesn't have to make up for that loss to the Kohain. Now it says, "If a person wants to peel barley and eat it raw on Shabbat, he can do one at a time." But I'm sorry, this is talking about ma'sir not about not about, um, not about uh, Shabbat if he he puts it he takes one at a time and he eats it, but if he gathers a whole bunch in his hand, now he has to separate ma'asir already. Right? Amar Rabbi Al-Azhar Shabbat. Rabbi said the same thing with Shabbat. If a person wants to peel um, barley and eat a, one barley corn at a time, it's okay. But if he, he gathers them in his hand, now it's already considered to be emlachah because he's producing too much and uh, it's considered dash. It's considered like he's doing a, a professional act of uh, of um, uh, dashes uh, called um, threshing, right? In English now, any is that really true? <speaking in Hebrew> Rav's wife would actually. Uh, peel for him Cups and cups of barley Barley on, on Shabbat So obviously it's not a problem on Shabbat Only for ma'asir Rather which halacha of Masir Also applies to Shabbat Not that one Because when it comes to peeling the barley You can do as much as you want Into your hand It's no problem Or into a cup It's no problem It's only for ma'asir That it becomes an obligation But it says as follows If you have stalks of grain Of wheat And you're taking um, uh, grain from it and eating it Along the way So um, He can blow the chaff Off of a little amount at a time But if he blew on it And he put it into his chest In other words, he gathered it up Now he's obligated In other words, if he's doing it little by little as he eats It doesn't create an obligation of Masir. But if he collects it, it does create an obligation of Masir. And now Rabbi Lazar Here Rabbi Lazar said that applies to Shabbat too so here we're not talking about the of dash removing the shell we're talking about the of um of uh, zoreh, which is getting rid of the chaff from the uh, from the grain Bechay the Shabbat. Mat Rabbi rabbi's ababa mamal. Or it could be, uh, it could also be bore whatever it is. The the Shabbat. Uh, so, Matkifla kifla Abba ababa mamal. Bechay in the Shabbat law. No, we see that the first case applied only for masir and not for Shabbat. The case where the person's collecting it in their hand. When he collects it in his hand, it becomes obligated in masir. But we said it's not a problem for Shabbat to collect the peeled barley. Ummi kam midit Shabbat. O aveg marmulacha. O masir, aveg marmulacha. How could it be that something is considered the completion of a mlacha with respect to masir, but not with respect to Shabbat? So Amat Kifar Rav Sheshit, Vraydo Avidi, of Sheshit, the son of Avidi said, Velo, Vah Maser we have a case of situations where we gather produce and it becomes obligated in Masir, as we learned in the Mishnah, is Gurnale What is the what's considered the point at which Masir obligations come into play? At Vaduin, if you have cucumbers or you have gourds, Mishifasku, that's when the when you trim off the Hair type of film that gets on them. And if the ones that you didn't do that with, so from when you pile it up into a pile. We also learned about onions. When you pile it up. In other words, the obligation of maser on onions or on gourds or so on is when you pile them up. But there's no such prohibition of piling something up on Shabbat. So you see that, that just because something's a masir doesn't mean it's a for Shabbat. So we don't have to say that just because uh, peeling barley and gathering it in your hand creates an obligation of masir that it's also a in fact it is not a malachah. The Torah prohibited malachet machashevet, calculated work that has a specific definition. And here uh, Just like when it comes to other laws of Ma'asir The law of Malachi, what's considered Complete work Doesn't match up with Shabbat Because Shabbat has a, its own orbit Its own uh, concept of melacha. As Rashi Mishkan, Because the, we learn the melachot Of Shabbat from the Mishkan It has a specific definition of melacha That doesn't necessarily correspond to that of Ma'asir Now we go on what does it mean to open up the grain with your fingers? Habaye Rav Yosef Amar Chada Chada Means use one finger, meaning two fingers at a time Your thumb and your pointer finger And break the grain, roll it in your finger to open it up Rav Yosef Amar Chada Tartei you uh, could actually use two fingers in your thumb In order to do it Rava says once you're doing something unusual Because you're using your hand Instead of using a tool Even if you use all your fingers with the thumb It's, an, it's okay What about blowing off the chaff that, What it means is you have to hold the grain In the tips of your fingers and blow But not in the actual hand itself Because that's too much of a usual way of doing it in the west in Israel they made fun of this what difference does it make on the tip of your fingers and the palm of your hand in the once you're already changing from the normal way and you're using your hand to build the chaff instead of using a tool of some sort or throwing it up in the wind and letting the uh, grain fall and the chaff dissipate whatever you might do Uh, you're doing an unusual way. What difference does it make how many fingers you use? Rather, what Rabbi Lazar said is you can use one hand and all of your strength. In other words, hold it in one hand and blow with all of your strength in order to get the chaff off. And that's acceptable on Shabbat. And um, we will continue with the next Mishnah tomorrow.